Hey, this is Sydney Von England of the Von Englands, and you're listening to Wrestling Cheers. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you're British. This is Wrestling Cheers, where we like to talk about things going on in Northeast Ohio, independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is an interview with Sid Vaughn England. I'm your host, Justin Summers, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe your Evolutions Fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, at Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email if you so choose to desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com and we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net like i said this is an interview with sid von england and we have him on the line sid how's it going this evening hey justin i'm doing uh i'm doing you know as a uh, as good as i can be i just um i very recently got a new uh personal trainer and uh, his workouts been putting me through the ringer a little bit so this is day three and uh I'm ice packed up while I speak to you, so I'm I'm doing. How about you? Well, uh, has he has he taught you how to drive yet? No, uh, <laughs> I think I think when the uh, when the muscle relaxants kick in, I think it'd be too dangerous for me to ever learn to drive. So at this point, I think I should just I should just uh, use Eden as my personal Uber for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's one little fact that I happen to kind of remember from my interview with them. Uh, Thought maybe maybe you would have gotten your license by now or figured out how to drive, but <laughs> well, I guess enough time's passed. But um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe when I'm back in the UK, I'll, I'll I'll learn to drive there and then have to translate. Oh God, can't even imagine that. I don't even like. I don't. I, I eventually want to go over there, but I can't imagine like being thrown into this different style of driving. I'm not even just talking about other side of the road thing, but like different signs and like all this other like language that I'm like I'm not used to. So I mean, a lot of um, a lot of it's kind of the same anyway. And when we first came over, when Eden was driving, a lot of it was just me kind of reminding them to stay on this side of the road and <laughs> and jump and like go over the uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the four way crossings, but like it's over, turn over and left, stay in the right lane rather than and I mean we don't have things like you can't turn uh, right on red. But I guess that's a state by state thing anyway. We still use miles per hour, uh, but most cars are stick shift, so. That's the only other the big thing, but uh, and, and American roads are laid out a lot nicer as well than UK roads. Um, UK roads are a lot of kind of um, winding streets, um, and you have to to stay on the right side on, on the left side of the road, the correct side of the road, I should say. <laughs> um, whereas at least here, um, you know, it's like every every freeway and highway has like four lanes that only go in one direction. So just just join that and you're fine, or join the wrong one and not be fine. Oh uh, yeah, that would. Uh, well, there there's signs that say uh, wrong way. 
yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like, hopefully that like helps you. Actually, I didn't. Yeah. Didn't he even have a story where he went down the wrong way? Um, we, I mean, like we've done a couple of things when it always happens when we're we're um coming kind of leaving from a show or it's kind of late. So mm-hmm. twice from this venue in like Franklin, Ohio, um, we'll just leave the the parking lot and turn onto the left side of the road, and <laughs> I won't. I won't clock it until we see a car coming over the verge and I'm like, oh, let's just make sure we get in the right lane. Um, but recently we dropped uh, we dropped someone back at, at their place after a show uh, and they lived on the left, the left side of the road. And I mean, we, we pulled out and just kept driving for about maybe four miles. Um, and they're like, oh, wait, there's, there's some oncoming headlights there. Let's just make sure we don't <laughs> die. So it's still, at this point, it's been nine months we've been in the country and we're still making that slight faux pas so when we go back in december i'm kind of i'm hoping for the best but i trust i trust eden that's what i was i was thinking uh they're going to be so used to being on the right side of the road that when you're actually in the where you're used to you do the wrong thing like yeah that's that's the i mean i'm a really anxious person anyway um a really anxious passenger um so i think i'll be really on it and heightened and making sure that we're going in the right lanes, the correct lanes, the left lanes. Um, but I'm also hoping that the novelty of us being home means a lot of our friends will want to pick us up and take us places and do things with us. So if we can limit the drive, then that's great. Are you looking forward to that trip uh, back to England? Yeah, I mean, um, the big thing now is because it's the kind of the first one that we're allowed with the whole travel restrictions now being changed. It, it just kind of means that much more. Um, and even though we're going to, you know, be in Ohio for a, a few more years at the very least, um, and we can definitely travel home kind of whenever we want from that point, you know, we've, we're already looking at um, a couple of weeks we could do in the UK in the summer and so on. Um, it's just kind of good to see everyone. Um, I mean, like the, one of the last things we did before we came out was um, it was my birthday, maybe two days before we flew out. Um so that's that's I guess the uh, the so the uh, theme is just celebrations and stuff. I mean, um, obviously we have so many people that we want to see because we're so popular. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of trying to fit it all in. Um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. And like I said, we now we know we can go back kind of whenever we want. It, it just means if we do miss someone out this time, we'll, we'll we'll get them again next time. What is it that you miss the most about England? So this is a weird thing, but. I, I, there's a couple of things, but the one thing I think of right now, because it's part of um, my PT's plan, is um, so in England we walk everywhere. I mean, we don't walk everywhere, but we walk everywhere really. So we, if there's a, if something's a mile, mile and a half, two miles away, we'll just we'll just walk there probably because we could drive there, but there'll be traffic. We can walk there as well. Whereas here, if you step outside your house to walk anywhere but to your car, people look at you like you're crazy. Um, I drove through uh, Old Brooklyn and I counted uh, over like a ten mile, ten minute drive. Sorry, four pe- four pedestrians, like four active pedestrians. Um, so I kind of I like walking. It's kind of quite peaceful. I miss that. Um, I mean, food's like an easy one. Like you know, there's all the cliche ones, like oh, I miss my friends, but uh, whatever. Uh, I miss the food, you know. I guess. Um, but it's just it's one of those things where the you know the slight conveniences that you have back home that I, that you don't realize until you need them um i mean there's like a, there's like a weird one as well like um 
So our our betting in the UK, I'm so boring. I'm so sorry. Our betting in the UK, we <laughs> use fine. like a like a do du- like a instead of a comfort, like a duvet and a kind of a cover. Uh, and like for the longest time, I was like, oh, comforters are really weird, aren't they? But now I'm like, oh, I'm gonna really miss having that comforter when I go back to the UK because I have to now get essentially a comforter and put like a big sheet around it, and it's just so. I think what I'm trying to say is I'm going to miss nothing about... I really miss nothing about the UK. I hate it, and I hate everyone there. <laughs> Controversial. Uh, that's, the, that's the real British side of you, then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cynicism coming through. Yeah, I think with the walking thing, it just depends on where you're at here. Like, I think if you're in New York City, that's something where, like, a lot of people walk. Yeah. I think if you're downtown of certain cities, uh, it's a lot of walking. Like, I know I've uh, I've spent, like, a weekend in Chicago, and... It was, you know, in between walking and, you know, taking public transportation. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily about driving. And, like, there were times, like, okay, it was, like, trying to plan stuff or it was, okay, we got to walk this far to the station, take it to this exit, and then walk so far from the, back from the train station. Yeah. And they they wouldn't necessarily be, like, that close. It might be a mile or two. Yeah. I mean, we have a similar thing with, with London, like, the, um, with the underground, um, train and stuff it's um it's sometimes that I mean, there are people who do things on youtube where they'll race the like the the subway they'll they'll have a friend get on at one station and they'll walk to the other station just as quick a time and you know it's one of those things where truly london is the is the ultimate do i want to walk or do i want the convenience of not but it takes just as much time kind of everywhere you go so uh, i mean when we lived we lived downtown in cleveland um very briefly when when we did move here uh and yeah just thinking about that you're right it's just that was such a busy area i mean that's where you know you have things like csu you have um you know all three sports stadiums there as well you know i guess it's it really is a busy place to be yeah like even uh here here soon i'll be going to well it will be the technically the next browns game not the one as we're recording tomorrow yeah. as in also the day that this should be released but uh, the next one after that, we're going and we're told that the only place our bus could get a reservation to park at and like we're leaving at a decent time in the morning is like about a mile walk away from actually like a mile, mile and a half walk away from the stadium. And like my first reaction was like, fuck, I don't want to walk that. Literally, I was looking at hotels <laughs> that close to the area, like close to the stadium. Like, I'll just yeah. I'll just go there. But then, of course. There's the whole thing of the uh, Rock Hall inductions are the same weekend, so that right. that got thrown right out the window. Yeah. But like my my first reaction was like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to walk that. But I think it's more of like not walking there because walking there is fine because I'm excited. But after the game, yeah, because it's, it's Steelers, right? Yeah, it's no. yeah, and um, I mean yeah, Brown's discourse this week just because of. Everyone on the injured list, uh, grumble, grumble. But I mean, I mean, it's, it is the Steelers, right? They are the worst team in the uh, AFC South. So we'll see. Anyway, back to walking. Yeah, back to walking. Yeah, I feel like a mile. A mile is a very is generally a manageable walk. But you're right. It's a case of. I mean, even if even if it's a, a win, right? And you're exhausted from having a fun time, and mm-hmm. you know you've been eating drinking and stuff like ah, that mile and a half was just it's just so unnecessary and you'll get it when you get there i used to this i mean when i was a kid and i'd 
I'd do uh, I'd go to concerts in London that would finish at one one a.m. and I'd sit, I'd do like maybe a so all the uh, well they'd they'd close half of the public transport after midnight and I remember I'd have to walk maybe a mile to the next bus which would then take me to a station a subway station that would then take me to a train station that would then take me to the train station in my town but would then be a 45 minute walk home and the grown-up in me now just wonders where i had the time to do any of those things (laughs) so i think i'm very much in the camp with you where if yeah i wouldn't want to walk an extra because that'd be like an extra 15 minutes maybe maybe or 20 and then if you're feeling sluggish ugh, ugh. and this is me talking after um how many steps did i do today Seven thousand seven hundred and twelve. yeah i hate walking how many steps did you say you took uh seven seven one two today i don't think mine's that high i'm i was at six thousand three hundred and twenty-one. nice yeah i'm uh he keeps telling me to hit ten thousand i'll do my best i'll do my best <laughs> he won't listen to this anyway so it's fine I'll tell him. I'll tell him I did ten thousand. It'd be fine. You won't check. I don't know. Know if I've I've had to have done ten thousand steps because I I haven't started looking at that until recently. Like yeah. when I when I got my new job, I'm. It's like I drive shorter distances, but I'm in and out of my truck a lot. So those steps like just add up. Yeah. And I've looked at it more now because I'm like, oh, like I can actually see like how much more I'm exercising and not even like trying to. And like yeah. how much more, cause like using like the Apple watch and everything of, I'm, I'm now like on my feet, just a whole lot more, I'm burning a lot more calories. So I've actually looked at that, like where I've gone back to like days from my previous job, like how many steps did I take this day? Okay. Now let me, how many did I take today? Oh, that's a, that's a big difference. It's yeah. Like for me, I mean, when I was back home, uh, any job I worked was me on my feet all day. So I'd, I think if I, if I ever went back to look at those, you know, a year, two years ago, or two years ago because COVID, um, they'd be like f- double what I've done now. But now I spend I spend so much time doing next to nothing kind of at home. You know, it's all work from home stuff now that, yeah, I feel like any opportunity I get to like even just step outside and maybe walk between rooms makes all the difference. So I imagine it's the same with, with, with you and, and taking those extra, just extra moments. Yeah, it's like... It's just like a bunch of little, little bursts of, of walking adding up all day. Yeah. So I think it's the other part of it of like not wanting to walk that mile and a half. I think even too, like, I'm th- I think of like after uh, AIW going from the Odeon to that after party and like the, uh, I walk, I was maybe that hill. Yeah. I was like halfway up and I was like, fuck this. Like I still went the rest of the way, but I was like, fuck this and this sucks. And it is that, that incline. Like, yeah. I mean, we, uh, every time we, we go, we, um, we forget to bring like a change of clothes for, for going out essentially. So we've, when we've been, we basically leave the Odeon, drive home, drive back, but all the areas closed off on a Friday night. So then we have to park further away than we normally do. And then walk all that distance to the Odeon, then up the up the hill. Um, again, what, what, why, where do I find the time to do these things? Why, why are we walking everywhere? Maybe I'm wrong. My my analogy about no one walking anywhere is just a load of shit, isn't it? Really? Well, I think like depending on where, like I said, where you are, it's like if I'm going to go a mile from where I am right now, like at my home, I'm going to drive. Yeah. But if you are in like more of a city where 
but I think it comes down to like parking. Like, yeah, that's true. Being able to park a lot of uh, cars in some of those areas is next to impossible, or it's like very expensive. Towards yeah. like, yeah, it makes more sense. Like, oh, if I gotta go a mile down the road to, you know, go to the store, I'll just you know walk that mile. I know another place that I, I experienced like that, like walking up like that hill and just feeling my legs burn apart. And I, I believe you guys have been there, the uh, Cleveland Zoo. Yeah. Oh, because that's weird. I think it's it's such a small incline, the entire thing. And it's all hills when it's not. You don't realize it at first until maybe 20, 25 minutes in. And you go, oh, wait a minute. This is this is uh this is supposed to be a relaxing thing. <laughs> I think the worst part about the Cleveland Zoo, because if, if those of you who don't know, it's the way I always describe it, it's like a V, and the V's on a hill, uh, where the the base point, and you can either walk up, oh, uh, a side, or take a little, I don't want to say train, but like a little, you can take transportation up to, to the top, yeah, and then it's walk back. Like, but it's just right. it just depends on which which way you want to do it. Last time I was there, it's the left side. I'll always say this: uh, take it both ways because there's like a stretch of nothing. Yes. And I decided because uh, we were kind of in a rush because actually had to get to a uh, uh, wrestle rager, trying to make like a day of like being in Cleveland. Right. And there was like a line to get up the, the get in the train for the left side. I was like, "Fuck this, we're walking." There's like no reason to wait. Yeah. And literally, like, I had to, like, take a break halfway up just because my legs were killing me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I regret this so much. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that specific hill as well. At the, the um, yeah, like the, the back, the zigzagging ramp. That ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the zigzagging ramp because I think, hey, right. I think when I was there, that this last time, which was a, you know, a handful of years ago, I think that was under construction so you actually had to either take the transportation back down or walk down that hill and yeah so even i I had it easier and it's still not great so what did you uh, think of our zoo so when we went it was um i don't remember when we went i think maybe it was july or august but um a lot of the exhibits were closed which was kind of a surprise to me um the zoo itself size-wise is great and there's in, in theory, there's a bunch of good exhibits. It'd just be nice to see them all next time. So um, people tell me one of the other C, I don't know if it's Columbus or Cincy, has a really nice zoo as well. So I guess at some point we'll compare and contrast. But um, it, was, it was fun. And we, we live we live kind of close to it now anyway. So it's uh, you know it's somewhere that we, we could spend our time. That's somewhere I could walk to. I guess they might be talking about the Columbus Zoo. I, I think there's a Cincinnati Zoo. I'm not a hundred percent sure. There almost has to be, but I might be confused with uh, Jungle Jim's department well, department store, which is ridiculous if you've ever been there. I think I've heard of Jungle's. Is that the one with the the train going through the top? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just seen a TikTok about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy place. The guy bought. Um, I guess it was a monorail from one of the Disney parks or something when mm-hmm. they were not constructing them and just just put it in a parking lot and then built like a giant store under it, I guess. I don't really know how to explain it other than that's that's what it is. But it's cool, I guess. But no, Columbus does have a pretty good zoo. That's cool. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy Cleveland. 
I don't go to zoos a lot because I feel like it's granted it's mostly the same thing. So you have to like right space out when you go. Like obviously go to different ones. Uh, I love how Cleveland is set up like that V and uh, Columbus. Columbus is set up. I don't know how to describe it where it's there's kind of a center area and then there's like little um I want to describe as circles because basically when you walk through everything it's but it's like every, every circle around the center is themed and you'll oh, you'll walk around that p- particular track or whatever watch look at whatever is fitting into that theme or whether it be like aquarium and kind of that area but like you can you can see the zoo in a your own uh way yeah like with with Cleveland and you know it just depends on whether you go up or down each side and then I actually I always say like I don't like it I've only been there once i believe the pittsburgh zoo i swear it's basically one circle like you just start and you either pick which way you want to go and yeah it's like you're gonna see the zoo in one form or the other and it's just gonna be forward or backwards this is our story that we want to tell with the zoo and you're gonna enjoy it our way yeah pretty much (laughs) but i i do i do like columbus's i think the first time i went there too i we went in november and I mean, granted, like some of the stuffs were well, was closed or just like animals, I should say, weren't out. I mean, they weren't necessarily closed and it wasn't there wasn't snow out. So it was enjoyable to be there. But also we went in the middle of the week. So like there was next to nobody there. So it was like kind of peaceful. Yeah, that's I think we yeah, we went just outside of the uh, summer vacation. So that there were there were no kids there. Um, it was nice and quiet, but then I guess that's when the exhibits were also not open because there was no one there. So, but I think it depends on the zoo. I don't know if there's a time where like every animal's out because some of it just depends on the temperature. Some of it's like it's it's some for some yeah. animals it's too hot, the other ones it's too cold, and I don't know if I don't know if there's a perfect middle ground. To, yeah, makes. I mean, like the the good thing is a lot of the indoor exhibits they have were open because I guess they're acclimatized properly, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I haven't seen, but I guess I'll know when I see it. So how up are you on the MCU right now? I We haven't seen What If, but everything else I think we've seen. I, yeah. have, I have not seen What If either. I need to watch it. I think with Amanda, like with it not being like directly connected, I don't know if it, it makes sense for her to watch it. Right. But I know I... I think I've heard like basically they're all kind of connected of like all the what if stuff, but I don't know if anything will be connected outside of it. So yeah, I, that's kind of what I heard. I heard too. Sorry. No, that's fine. I, so it's like, I, I definitely, I mean, I want to sit down and watch it no matter what. I thought that even just the premise of what if when I first heard about it was great. I didn't think they would go this route. I thought it was not these bigger what ifs. It was going to be smaller. What ifs like, what if, uh, what was a, a great example I've used before of, um, uh, I can't think of one right now. Just like, just basically like we didn't take a left. We took a right. Type right. Thing. Yeah. Like slight changes. Not, not like what if this character was never born? You know, it's yeah. What if when they travel back in time and end game, they travel back to the wrong time or something like that. It's like, Oh, they've now have to figure that out. But yeah, it's two, two bigger things. Like what if I think, I think, the premise of the episode so far are basically like, what if this person was someone else? Like, what if Captain America was was Peggy? What if Star Lord was Black Panther? Mm-hmm. What if Doctor Strange was bad? It's you know, 
I guess there's a there's a um, there's a market for it, but it's just to un- the problem with that kind of format is you need to understand the original material to then appreciate the new material. And like for me, for me as a consumer, I think I think material should be able to stand up on its own without needing supporting material. Which is why Shang Chi is one of the best Marvel films, and Black Panther is the other one, like my two favorite Marvel films. Because even without the MCU, they stand up as good. Good. I I think with Shang Chi, it's my favorite Marvel movie outside of anything Avengers and Captain America. Mm. Oh yes. So I mean, yeah, Winter Soldier's like the best. I had this thing where I like to I like to justify liking a lot of things because. It's cool to like things, uh, but I, I have this thing where I'm like, well, I think things that are my favorite might not necessarily be the best as well. So I, I think Winter Soldier is probably the best MCU film, but my favorite is like Black Panther, like because I can I can appreciate that like there are things about these films that make them really really good for everyone, right? You know, yeah. like, we can all agree that like Incredible Hulk maybe doesn't count, but I'm sure it's someone's favorite for some reason. I think like everything from Iron Man one to Thor two, um, kind of has to be graded just a little bit differently. Yeah, mainly because like Iron Man one does not have a feel the same feel as, uh, you know, Winter Soldier, but it was it was them like finding like the way they wanted to do things, and it took a lot of like I don't want to say trial and error, but it was just like it was it was evolution because like going up from Iron Man 1 to Avengers was awesome. I'll never forget that ride. And then they were like, oh, we have to pivot out of this, and they knew they wanted to go towards Thanos, and, you know, Thor 2 and Iron Man 3 were... They're, films. They're, they're what? They're films. I I look at them as <laughs> they've been served as filler, but, like, for kind of, like, stuff you would need later. Mm. I mean, maybe that's obviously that's writers going back and picking stuff from, but it like takes some valuable things from them or like I look at Iron Man three. It was the, it was Iron Man going through post traumatic stress from, uh, Avengers. So like, it was like his fallout, like uh, stuff he had to deal with. And then with Thor two, that was when they were, they first officially mentioned the infinity stones. And like that was started to be the pivot because everything right. after that was kind of started to concentrate around that and tell the bigger story. So like, are those going to be on people's, you know, favorite MCU movies? No, normally those are like towards the bottom with the Hulk. Yeah. But they served a purpose and same thing with, uh, Ultron. Like I remember to, for me, I even, I think I said when that movie came out, I'm like, this just feels like the prequel for civil war. Like that's what we're really waiting for. And as, as great as that, that movie was, I mean, it kind of what Ultron seemed to be, but I will give them a lot of credit. They've pulled a lot of stuff from that and they were able to tell a better, bigger story for like a lot of the stuff afterwards. Yeah. Because that's the thing is we'll, we'll never know if, because that's part of what makes especially Endgame so great is just the, the callbacks and it's the whole rewarding, you're rewarding your fans for paying attention it's you know it's the other flip side of the coin of um, you know media being able to stand on its own is it should be able to stand on its own, but you should also reward your viewers for paying attention and caring, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, like every everything in Endgame that 
is a callback to something just it's it's great and you know even even things like in shang chi with the um with the callback in there that i mean shang chi is relatively new so spoiler free but with that such it's such a minor callback but like again if you've not seen the film that if you've not seen the film okay doesn't change anything it's still just a uh a piece of the story mm. if you have seen the film it's it it's incredible it's such a good moment and such a good beat um but again we wouldn't have necessarily got that without you know a lackluster film in the mcu i'm hearing some good things about eternals and that's yes kind of su- i don't want to say surprising it's just everybody a lot of people are going into this like oh my god like this might be the first bomb but i'm like we said the same thing about so many movies it's like going back to guardians of the galaxy like i don't think eternals is going to hit like guardians did because there's there was just so many like great things coming together for that right. movie but i think one of the things i've heard like it's not necessarily spoiler related but like it it also doesn't feel like an mcu movie like it's going to explore some different elements which that's kind of what shang chi did and that's like i going back to like just like watching shang chi in the theater i i was getting real excited of just how different it felt and like going into of moral uh i want to say like a chinese history but like doing like a little bit more two martial arts and everything i'm like oh my god like this is so much fun like this doesn't even have to be a um mcu movie like it it feels like a an older new age kung fu movie yeah and that, that i think that's it's what i hoped for going into it is that it was going to not feel like a superhero movie and it it definitely didn't it didn't feel like an mcu movie at all um and i think that really is what made it so good um again the same with black panther i mean even though it wasn't massively reviewed well captain marvel as well captain marvel you know it doesn't feel like a typical mcu movie and i think like like we were saying about when you have that kind of midpoint that's bridging between the phase one and phase three there's so many also known as phase two there's so many of these things that um it's almost formulaic because oh well we need to do these things to to make the f- the films work because that's kind of what worked because we've found ourselves after trying loads of stuff in phase one um and then when they realized that there kind of isn't a formula because you know people are different superheroes are different mm-hmm. and they just lent into this idea that they can go whole ham in solo movies into a, they can make it completely unique to the character like ant-man is incredible because it's a heist movie mm-hmm. because ant-man's a small-time criminal great that's what you want um whereas i I think if they did if they played ant-man off as a oh good guy needs to save the world to get the girl which is the the kind of formula of of superhero movies they would it wouldn't have hit any of the beats and Mm -hmm. again i'm not saying that ant-man's blown anyone's socks off and it's not topping many people's lists but yeah it does a good job of just being itself unashamedly and like I feel like Eternals is going to do that as well. Like, like you said, it's it's probably not going to hit like Guardians did. But you know, Guardians had the '80s nostalgia, had the the color palette was so unique. It, you know, it was the first kind of foray into space for for Marvel as well, because Asgard doesn't really count. Um, and I think as long as Eternals manages to not fall into the trap of being like anything else, I think it'll be really good. I'm really excited for it. I'm interested to see how they're gonna, how the power creep's gonna work, and how how strong they're all gonna be compared to the MCU, the other characters in the MCU. But if we're getting Kang the Conqueror, I guess, yeah, 
anyway, anyway, we're just, that's all ahead of itself and speculating and rah, rah, rah. I just want a Silver Samurai movie. That's all I want. The movie that I'm looking forward to right now the most for the MCU is Doctor Strange. That just got pushed back, uh, I think, two months. But everything that they, they've built a lot into that movie. So it it feels way bigger than others. And we still got, you know, Spider-Man in between that, which is going to add to it, too. Yeah, I get those are two. Where Doctor Strange just feels like a fever dream. Like the whole everything just feels weird and it's perfect because he's Stephen Strange. And just I'm I was I was surprised about the whole pushback. Number one, that pushed all the days back. But I'm also very excited for Spider-Man because it obviously ties so heavily into Doctor Strange. And there's uh, and we can speculate that WandaVision is going to tie into Doctor Strange quite a lot, too. And. Uh, possibly Loki's going to tie into Doctor Strange. You know, it's they've ticked off a lot of, well, they've set off a lot of light bulbs in so many people's heads that at this point it'll be interesting to see what does get paid off because, yeah, there's every chance that Spider-Man leaves us with more questions and there's every chance that Spider-Man solves everything and then we never get the, the strange one division or the, the strange Loki crossover that seems to be on the cards. I mean, I thought it was confirmed that uh, Wanda's going to be in Doctor Strange. Yes, I, I know she's on the poster at least. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm I have ideas in my head about how Spider-Man's going to be resolved around changing timelines and what that means for. I mean, Scarlet Witch is a Nexus being, and so technically she shouldn't be affected by anything if there are any changes in time. And what? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, again, the comic book speculation of of that. But I. I, I, I Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that they potentially pushed it back just to space out their year. There's part of me that yeah. thinks some of the times that these movies have been pushed back and they just threw it there like, ah, oh, whatever, we'll deal with it later. And what, like when that one was coming out in March, uh, to me, that was a little weird because I, if I'm correct, not a lot of MCU movies come out in March. No, I feel like Black Widow in April was a, a weird one anyway. I feel like they have something at the start of the year and then it's the summer blockbusters and that's kind of their their plan. Well, if they do April, it's the end of April because for for many years, Marvel as a whole, and that's counting some of the Fox properties, was always kicking off uh, May, for like right around the time for comic book day. So it, it made sense that, you know, th- those movies were coming out. And then when they moved Infinity War back or up a week, technically, that started a trend of like, oh, like we'll come out in April now, like end of April. We'll get, we'll start off the summer movie season like a week early, and then like in the summer they always they would have like an additional one in the middle, right? Because after Infinity War it was Ant Man and the Wasp, and after uh, End Game was Spider Man, which like going to the the opposite side of like those movies, I'm I don't know I gotta sit down and like really rewatch them, but. I'm not big on Black Panther and Captain Marvel, but it's only because they were the appetizer from the for the main course meal that I really, really wanted. Yes. Like I remember like the whole my point of watching Black Panther. I mean, granted, like watching I like love watching them all, but I thought this was going to be where they revealed where the Soul Stone was. So with Infinity War, we then knew, you know, every place Thanos was gonna have to go. Yes. And like when that didn't show up it was like well fuck yeah. and then with with endgame and captain marvel like 
I think I've had someone explain this to me. They were like, well, I didn't have to worry about her dying because obviously if Nick Fury paged her, the, you know, we knew she's okay. But I'm like, I don't know, it's still, there's a background story. But I think for, for still, no matter what, I'm like, I couldn't wait for Endgame. Like, yeah, I love Thanos. Thanos is like one of my favorite characters of all time. And literally like Infinity War was just the Thanos movie. So I, I loved it. And when they actually did the snap, I was very happy. Yeah, because again, like with Ultron, especially Ultron serves such a huge purpose in the comics, and you know, for him to get the one movie treatment kind of is a bit of a disservice, and it kind of made me worry about Thanos. But then Thanos got his appearance in the post credits of was it Civil War? Uh, no, he was in the post credits of uh, Age of Ultron. There we go. Yeah, um, and then and then he gets his two movie cycle as well, and. You know, and he's still a threat in other movies. He still discuss what he did across mm-hmm. other movies. Like he, yeah, they really gave him kind of what he needed to because he's such an important character to you know comic history. Like the the Infinity Gauntlet comics are like the some of the most popular comics of all time. I think the cool thing with Thanos too, the the build of just even going back to he got the end credits for Avengers, and then he got a an okay size role for guardians of the galaxy. And then we go fast forward to age of Ultron where that was the final do it myself. And then we don't really see him until infinity war, but it was still, they didn't fast track anything. They didn't try to shoehorn it. They was, they really let it build and they build, built so many stories alongside it with it. And I think, I think that's kind of where DC fucks up because they don't have the patience to tell these stories. Like even, you know, phase one of like do the whole build up for the Avengers. Like they made sure like every thing was in place to have it pay off. And then to have a bigger payoff, like, all right, let's tell about, let's do a Thanos story and we'll build it from there. And okay. They took a lot to the point of, to where we got to end game and we got to hands down. One of my favorite movie moments that I've just, just being in the theater for was Avengers Assemble. Like just everybody coming back and that's years of movies and being invested in these characters. If it was, you know, something done early on, like like why would you care that all these characters were dusted and coming back? Like, no, we we had to get invested into it. Like again, the whole rewarding rewarding your viewers for what they've seen and, and you're right, it's every the Marvel did this great job of making care about every character as well and it's it's not even the main characters. I mean, characters like Wong, like Wong, is such a fan favorite despite being a comic relief character, um, and he has such a big part of that. I'm trying to think through, like Valkyrie, um, just all these little bit part characters that are just appearing and all get they all get their moment in that one that one final battle. And like, how are they going to top it? How are they going to top it with with Kang? And then how are they going to top Kang inevitably with um, who are they going to top Kang with? Galactus. Yeah. Yeah phase seven i mean the the way that the mcu like tell stories is and this is just the way i've perceived it is they like set a benchmark and then once they get there they widen the standard a little bit they they make they make it bigger and i feel like that's like where we are now after like really after endgame was like how the hell are you gonna top this oh we're going to do some tv shows something we know we've never really done before well they have but like we're gonna put them into the universe we're gonna put 
the big stars in it. We're still going to do movies, but we're going to get you like invested into these shows. We're going to make them appointment viewing. We're only going to put out one a week, but you're going to still love it. I mean, that's what they did with WandaVision. That's what they did with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's what they did with Loki. And because of like everything they've done with it and they've, they've, they've taken a lot of the stakes and the concepts and making it bigger and bigger. Like we didn't just come right out the rip and then go, all right, multiverse. Like they've, yeah. they've done a real big way of building for it. Even like technically teasing it with uh far from home. Yeah. Like, cause even then like, it was a case of <laughs> they've built so much suspense at this point mm-hmm. that you expected. Cause yeah, when was far from home? What, 2000, was that 2019 or was it 2020? Either way, 2019 because I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, by that point, you know, we're talking two years ago. At that point, that's when we were already considering, oh, we're gonna we're gonna split things off and have all these other characters, but the universe has come in. That's a that's a real thing that we've now alluded to at this point in time. We're now sat in a, a position where possibly 2022 is when there'll be that payoff because we don't even know if there will be um, a payoff in um, in the new Spider-Man film, like. You know, they're, they're obviously there's the things that the Alpha Molina, um, Doc Ock and stuff, but just because he's there doesn't necessarily mean that he's Toby Maguire's Doc Ock as well and all this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I I feel like there could be a lot of bait and switches. And I mean, have you, uh, and again, I don't know how spoiler free we can be, but have you seen that non Marvel property film? Yes. I'm probably spoiling. Yeah, right. With, the, with that as well, you know, there's, I feel like there's so many bait and switches going on right now. But it could be me and my wrestling fan brain that's just, you know, think I just see Vince Russo all over this. Because, um, yeah, you're, you're right in that they've, they've done so, such a good job of building up to these things and teasing them and planting all these seeds that they're going to have to pay off eventually. But for every, every time they don't, it just me- makes it mean that much more. And, like, they're adding, like, just new concepts and everything. Like, everything with Shang-Chi, it sounds like everything we're going to get with Turtles and obviously, you know, even, you know, Loki added a bunch of actually, actually everything like a lot of these, uh, the Marvel shows have added like something new to where when we like, whatever we get to officially the next big thing, like there's just going to be so much. Yeah. And I, that's, that's one thing I love. And I think I thought the rumor even coming into uh, this particular phase is they were going to have like three different big bad guys, but they were going to be like, one was going to be more earthbound the other one was going to be uh space and then i forgot the third one might have been quantum realm i could believe that because actually that's another you know aspect of this whole thing the quantum realm with uh the next ant-man too Mm. the other because i was i was thinking about this with the because i was trying to figure out who the possible kind of earthly villain could be um and i was just thinking because they're they're very clearly setting up secret avengers like i think without Mm-hmm. explicitly saying secret avengers at this point yeah i think that's, i feel like i think that's the earthbound one yeah because it'll be julia dreyfus will definitely be something to do with that big bad because they've they've pushed her into enough things to make you realize she's not all good but i don't know Mar- marvel movies make you think too hard <laughs> and even with that like we got all these uh you know these movies that have come out since covid even or usually the tv shows too like this has been jumbled Mm-hmm. Like we like the first thing after all this wasn't supposed to be one division. One division was supposed to be later, and we were supposed to see uh, supposed to see her in 
Black Widow first and then later see her in Captain America or I should say uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But instead we got reversed. Yeah. And it still works. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. Like the, the piece of the story they're telling, uh, they give you just enough information. But every time they don't really they don't give you the same information twice. So everything you find out is new information with all these with all these pieces of media. Mm-hmm. Like everything everything is being told for a reason. I mean, I, I thought we were going to get um, Fantastic Four in WandaVision. I don't know why I thought that. But for the longest time, I thought, oh, this is going to be when the Fantastic Four appear, just as recurring characters or side characters in this uh, <laughs> in this crazy show. Like, yeah, I mean, WandaVision for me as well is... Um, so one of my favorite TV shows of all time is um, Dirk Gently, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Um, they did a couple of seasons on Netflix, um, which is all weird and wonderful if you've not seen it. Um, and the first three or four episodes of WandaVision really made me gave me heavy vibes of it not not because it's a show that's set in different time zones but it's kind of a show that's kind of set in this not alternate reality but it's the whole it's holistic so it's things you can't really see and things that are weird and wonderful happening around you and it was a bit of a mystery with WandaVision and and I was really attached to it um and for me I think having WandaVision come out first because it came out and it was so out there and so unlike anything anyone had ever seen on tv like there is no nothing on tv that has done a series where they've parodied different decades of television and told a narrative throughout the passing of time with it nothing's ever done that and i think because they released it first it it definitely had way more impact than if they'd have put you know falcon winter soldier out first which is essentially a six-hour marvel film yeah. Not that's a bad thing. It's just a six-hour Marvel film. Um, so, yeah, the, the fact that it's technically the wrong order is a very good thing, in my mind. Even going back with WandaVision, not even just parodying like all those TV shows, but there's also the all the inside references to the properties, mm-hmm. like of like the comic Vision, the comic uh, Scarlet Witch. Or even like obviously like the the big one when they get the X Men version of her yeah. brother, like yeah, r- ridiculous. I, just and again the narr- the format of it being a weekly recurring serial and not like an instantly consumable thing. I mean it's now obviously for people, but where it's released, it's such a good cliffhanger to leave people on, leave people wanting more, and mm-hmm. you can only do that medium. You only tell that story in that kind of medium. Um, because if that was if that was released as a Marvel movie, you know, you'd know who it was within the next twenty five minutes, whereas you had to wait seven days and twenty five minutes to find out who it was. And yeah, so much there was that. I mean, obviously, um, Speed and Wiccan being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the with the West Coast Avenger body, well, well, yeah, being created and yeah, just all these things that just again more suspense, more suspense. Good TV, good TV. Kind of to change topics here. Yes, please do. <laughs> I mean, we could talk into you forever. Yeah. But uh, what was it like being a, a wrestling fan in in England? Because the one thing that I always hear, and it it seems to to be a, a thing, I just don't know if I don't think we could do the same thing. 
is the fact of like if you want to watch anything live, you have to stay up till pretty late at night. Yeah. So um I could I could I could give a brief history. So um I don't really remember my what the first thing I saw was, but the first thing I remember watching was the um triple cage match with um with um, David Arquette. Okay. That's the very first thing I remember from wrestling. So we had um if you want to watch wrestling live, you'd have to stay up till 1 a.m. Uh, it was on a premium sports channel. WF was on a premium sports channel. WCW was on like a a semi-premium cable channel, but it wasn't live. You could see it on the following Friday, like primetime or something like that. Um, so WCW was super easily accessible. Um, so I'd basically never watch Raw, but I used to get by watching things like um, Metal and Jacked and those shows that are on on Saturday mornings, shotgun and all those kind of things. Um, we used to have the big four were free on, um, on free TV. So we'd have in the UK, there's like five free TV stations, channel one, three, five and channel four had rumble mania, SummerSlam, and survivor series completely free just at 1am. And with ads, it was really weird format. Um, so the, Stay up to watch wrestling when I was like seven, eight years old. Well, oh, I remember again, staying up to watch wrestling when I was nine years old. I watched um, the Royal Rumble 2000, which had the Miss Rumble contest in it uh, with Mae Young. So that's that's burned into my nine year old memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, watching anything pay per views live, it was just it became a thing. I mean, like, um, like wrestling was cool in the UK until about 2002, uh, and then it wasn't. And then when I was maybe when I was like 14, 15, kind of getting back into wrestling, there was like two other kids in my school that were really into it. So we'd, you know, we'd watch it. Uh, we'd we'd go to one of their houses. We'd, you know, we'd set, we'd watch wrestling till one a.m. and just sleep. Um, I don't think since I was maybe twenty years old, I've watched anything live other than the Big Four and maybe a couple takeovers. And with those, I watched them on a call with a friend of mine. Um, so watching wrestling at 1am, not something great. Um, but TNA um, was huge in the UK. TNA was ridiculously huge in the UK to the point where, like, the reason I became a wrestler is because um, it's because of British boot camp when uh, Rockstar Spud won the the tournament. So, again, another thing. Sorry, we had a we had like a, a fight. The Fight Network had a channel in the UK on premium cable TV. So, you, but they had a bunch of old school indie wrestling so for me that's how i got into ring of honor ccw aiw um F- full impact pro like a bunch of indies I, uh, but also had a bunch of uk indies including spud so when i see scrawny little spud getting signed to a tna contract i was like man it's time to do that myself so i did um and then we i mean more recently as far as like indies in the uk go um there was like a real surge of uh, indie wrestling in the uk about the time that I started, like 2012, 2013-ish. Um, and it's because Progress Wrestling started up, which is where I trained when I began. Um, and then the way... So English football fans, like soccer fans, are a different breed of people. They're very loud, obnoxious, drunk. So what happened is all the people that were like my age watch wrestling decided they wanted to get back into it, but this time they were of drinking age and they were loud, obnoxious, and drunk. So 
wrestling became super cool in the UK again in like 2012, 2013. Um, and everyone was going to like live shows and stuff like Progress, Rev Pro, ICW, all these kind of ones. Um, and kind of WWE was a bit of a, not a dirty word I'd say, but like it just kind of wasn't the, what people cared about. And like there was this kind of underground wrestling movement in the UK. Um, and then NXT UK came along and uh, now there isn't a huge underground following in the UK anymore. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just because of COVID, to be honest. Um, but I think a lot of, because a lot of the talent kind of got signed to NXT UK, UK now is in that rebuilding process. So give it a few years. When I go back, there'll be a huge homecoming for me. So <laughs> Yeah, it, do, it does seem like that, you know, NXT UK really killed a lot of the momentum that was going on over there. But if, you know, history can repeat itself, you had, you had a lot of stuff like, on the independent scene over here of, you know, WWE signs up all these big names, but then some bigger names uh, end up taking their place. Or so I should say some names who will become bigger names, take their place. And it's, it just starts to be a cycle. And I think when basically you kind of get rated the way that you were that, yeah, the, the UK scene is going to take a hit, but eventually they'll, they'll come back. Yeah. I mean, even if you think about WWE recently and like a, a bunch of the guys that they, signed in 2020 and let go this year you know the list of talent they just released this year and the quality of talent is insane obviously we've seen a bunch of them kind of hit the ground running when they've got to the indies like anthony green and alex zane and those guys so it just kind of goes to show that there's i mean we, we all know WWE has like this this um huge 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 roster of just wanting to sign the best wrestlers in the world when they can to make sure they have them um but then eventually there'll come a time when they do have to wrestle. So I'm sure that when a bunch of those UK guys do come back to the UK scene, they'll start bringing a lot of that interest with them. Because, I mean, we we lost a bunch of the top guys, like um, even not just 20 UK, but guys like Osprey and Zach going to Japan as well was a, was a big thing. And, yeah. you know, it's just um, there's a thing in, in, in football as well, in English football, where, uh, and you probably get this in college sports as well, where co- um, clubs will turn out generations and generations of talented players um until they can't anymore because they don't have the facilities to train players because all the players have now moved on to other teams because they the like a the the 30th best club churns out players that are you know top 10 club worthy they're not going to stay around in the top 30 club and eventually the top 30 club needs to find itself again so it's it's nearly midnight it's a weird analogy i know (laughs) wasn't for a while uh the TNA pay-per-views and this is like going back to like the early 2010s like weren't they free over there I don't actually I don't technically say free if I would get corrected it was on a paid channel but you weren't yeah, paying exactly to that. be a pay-per-view yeah so the the channel that aired TNA in the UK would just yeah air the specials as well on the Sunday like, mm-hmm. TNA was so huge in the UK to the point where if they if they charged the pay-per-views people would have bought it but they, they didn't and I think it's possibly why it was huge because of that accessibility um yeah tna huge and then obviously in, in recent years they've just not scaled they've scaled back their international marketing a lot so well they've uh changed you know owners and management and i mean that's gonna happen like literally there were times where like they do one set of tapings and it's owned by or being i should say run by billy corgan and then the next tapings it isn't and it's somebody else and then they take all these storylines and like change them 
Like some of them were, they would continue as normal, but there were some that like had a, a definitely like a different direction. We just took a sharp right out of nowhere. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things where I think TNA is now in that rebuilding, well, possibly in that rebuilding phase, but with the forbidden, forbidden door stuff and everyone kind of working together now, it's just a different kind of market. So, I mean, that's, we'll see. I don't know if I've, I've said it here on the show. I know I've said it elsewhere. What I've wanted to see for a while, especially when AEW was first announced, is to see all these companies just start working together because it's like, okay, if you're TNA Impact, you're like, we couldn't beat WWE head to head. We tried. We could. We didn't even, you know, make a dent in them. But if we take all of our assets and put them together, not not to say like we're going to form one company, but we find a way to battle them as a unit that could do some damage and like i don't necessarily think we've seen 100 percent that but if you would get to where where that forbidden door is just kind of anybody can pop up anywhere like almost going back to the territory days i think like like that adds like an element that obviously isn't new but is fresh because we hadn't seen yeah. it in a long time i feel like that's what a lot of them are realizing now is that they can still maintain a lot of their identity as an individual kind of promotion, but also being this kind of conglomerate of working with other promotions doesn't compromise them in any way because they still have their own market and they still have their own niche. Um, and their niche is being not WWE, essentially. That's, and that's purely because WWE is a billion dollar company that has the most media presence in the world and anything that isn't is just an alternative and it doesn't matter you know tna isn't the six-sided ring cross the line promotion anymore and you know ring of honor isn't the shake hands before every match you know respect the code of honor promotion anymore but they're they are all viable alternatives and now they kind of realize that their strength is being something different and being just that vague about it like maybe we'll see we'll give it a few more years and we'll see how things look because it is a very cool time to be a wrestling fan. And I, I know it's not the most popular company in the world, or at least, you know, over here, but the fact that they have pro wrestling tees, like that's, mm. that literally, I mean, granted, like how that was built over, over time, but now like that being this central part of not only independent wrestling, but you have it where a lot of these companies, that's where they're, they're putting their merchandise. And it's just like, well, you know, we're, we're going to do it this way and they're putting out a lot of product. I would love to see a uh, comparison of what WWE ships out in a day to what pro wrestling tees does. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, it's very close. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gotta be comparable because again, the, the, I feel like the market that WWE has for people who buy their merch is a complete, completely different markets the ones that buy independent wrestlers merch you know there's not a lot of like kids at indie shows that are buying t-shirts posters pictures etc but there are a lot of families who watch we who are going well my kid wants a roman reigns t-shirt let's let's ship that so but the kids aren't on the money so take all the adults money you know one thing i want to touch on before we uh start to wrap things up and get into the fave five questions and i I didn't realize this until doing a, a little bit of research, but you got married in COVID. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the whole story is is mad. 
Um, and I can tell I can tell the entire story. So we got engaged way before COVID, um, which was which was very nice. Question: um, we, Well, we got engaged when COVID was a a buzzword on social media. Um, whatever you know, we were in diff- we were in Portugal when we got engaged, um, and I mean, we, you know, for for people who haven't got engaged, like I think people don't realize just that there's there's a certain amount of pre-plan that goes into being engaged as well. So I feel like we mm-hmm. we were quite lucky. We had like an idea of like, oh well, when we do get married, this is kind of like what we'd like. So we were like, cool, the kind of rough idea, and we kind of got engaged finished our vacation kind of got home I was like, all right cool let's and we were super efficient because eden is you know incredibly smart far too smart to be with someone like me uh, incredibly efficient as well so we made these big plans cool 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 venue everything um covid shut the world down a month or so later um we were like oh crap what does this mean for our wedding and then they announced in the uk that you can get married we're with a crowd of up to 10 people okay cool fine so we whistle that guest list down to 10 people um and they were like oh no that 10 people includes whoever performs your service um any photographers and yourselves great so we whistle that down to seven guests or something and then they said oh you can actually um have a wedding for up to 50 people great we thought well let's let's uh invite 50 people let's plan a a wrestling show at our wedding because you know by this point that we planned there'd been no wrestling for five months we were kind of getting a bit of an itch for wrestling and i mean if you're friends and family with wrestlers and you're not a wrestler like we all know you want to see them beat each other up we all know that so um maybe uh 10 days before the ceremony they announce 25 guests capacity not a problem. Fine. Sorry, you guys can't come. They announce 10 guests capacity, not including yourselves and photographers and stuff. Great. Then the venue says, you can't have a wrestling show here because COVID restrictions, blah, 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 blah. Great. So I tell the talent they're not needed and I'll see them when I come back to the UK whenever. Um, we realized that we we didn't have to spend, because we kind of did a lot of things in good faith. You know, people like, you know, People were like, hey, we understand that COVID's a thing. We're not going to ask for a deposit because we don't think it's going to be cancelled. So we're very fortunate. We have a lot of really good people in our lives that gave us that kind of deal. Um, we decided to then spend all that money on um, karaoke machines, dance, dance revolution, and a bunch of other weird stuff. And we got we basically got married in front of um, like 10 of our closest family and friends. Um, we weren't even sure if people were allowed to do speeches at the ceremony. Um, so I surprised my best friend by telling him to do a speech on the spot, um, which he wasn't happy about. And, um, yeah, when we got married, it ended up being, you know, so it's a wedding it ended up being great anyway. It's, but all, all the stress leading up to it, you know, was, was crazy. Um, you know, there were things like when we had to get our wedding license, um, which we had to book an appointment weeks in advance for because it's all getting a wedding license, but also because COVID. Some of the things that I presented weren't adequate enough. And uh, yeah, but we got there in the end. So um, the pictures and stuff, are, they're on, a, they're on a, uh, a flash drive somewhere. And it sounds very dismissive that we don't have them with us, but um, 
I honestly think it's because we forgot them and we left them in the UK. So there is that. But um, I think our, our basic plan at this point is to eventually have a reception, which <laughs> those original 50 guests are more than welcome to come to kind of thing. Um, but yeah, incredibly stressful time leading up to it. But um, as I say, it's a wedding and kind of the basic conversation that, that it boiled down to is the most important parts about the wedding is is the two of us and we were going to be there um we ended up having a laptop set up with a zoom call had about 25 people who managed to tune in on zoom and watch us get married um which is really nice like um my like our our coach who's like one of our best friends like he was on the zoom call wearing a suit and tie and <laughs> just like i mean a bunch of people were dressed up as well but like um you know he's he's someone that like was it's like he's done so much for us personally as well like seeing him there dressed up like was was really cool um not to diminish all the various other people that we love the most in our lives that were there but yeah good stuff haven't haven't really thought about how weird it was for a while so that was that was uh that was good but it's it's our actual anniversary in from the day of recording eight days yeah you know i know that that six days do you know how i know that how's that I mean, besides, I, I did happen to find something ab- about the date, and I think it's it's crazy. Your anniversary is going to be one day before mine. <laughs> there you go. We um actually we had um some of our friends back home at the exact same thing as well. Their anniversary was the the twenty ninth as well, and they ended up getting married on the thirty first because they went well Halloween, I guess. So there you go. So now I'll I'll remember that. So I'll. I'll wish you guys a happy anniversary as well. You'll have, you'll have to wait till next year because I got to get married first. Oh yeah, that'll be yes. that'll be in nine days. That's how I know because I know the one day difference. I'm like eight days. Yep. So I'll I'll just wish you well because I'm sure you'll be on social media on that day because you won't have a bunch of other things to do or anything. Oh, of course not. That's that's the other thing that um just just I didn't realize is just how busy you are on your own wedding and there were only ten guests. For, for us you know oh yeah so i'm sure you'll love it i'm sure you'll have a great time yeah i'm kind of just waiting for uh, everything to be over type thing yeah that's a big part of it as well it's um i guess do you have like um just like stress and worries about going in and just even though i'm sure everything will be fine it's just a case of when it's done there's nothing to worry about anymore well it's just kind of getting everything over with because there's just a lot of stress going into it yeah. and then even going back to what we were talking about earlier literally the day after our wedding is the brown steelers game that we're going to (laughs) yes so it's this like i don't know what condition i'll be in after saturday night i'm not a huge huge drinker but with it being my wedding i could go a little bit uh out of my my uh comfort level but then going to the the brown steelers game doing tailgating beforehand i don't know how uh tired i'm going to be for all of that and how how drunk i could technically get for all of that but we did talk yeah. about like afterwards uh we'll just we're just gonna uh, pretty much relax the rest of the day and i have all of monday off because we're not taking honeymoon yeah that, that was the other thing as well we couldn't we couldn't take a honeymoon either because of covid so i can relate on that my advice for you because on the alcohol front make sure you eat something throughout the day because uh it wasn't until i think our meal was at like five five six p.m everyone's i hadn't eaten all day but i had drank throughout the day mm. so that'll be my one piece of advice on that um 
but yeah, you will be very tired, but it'll be very worth it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll I'll prepare to eat and try to drink water throughout the day too. Yes, that's yeah. There you go. The thought I should have said. Say. <laughs> I think mainly because I mean I I have learned that if you know if you drink water while you drink, you're gonna lessen your chance of a hangover. Yeah. So there was uh, weirdly like I don't remember where the quote's from, but I know it's from Chris Jericho. But he says his his favorite thing to drink is a vodka orange juice with ice cubes because the water in the ice cubes stops him from getting a hangover. And it kind of, I was like, oh yeah, drinking water will help. Why have I never realized this? So for, for everything he's done for, for wrestling and everything he's done since wrestling and everything controversial he's done, Chris Jericho reminded me to drink water. So <laughs> thanks, Chris. I don't, I don't know how old that is from him, but I know also from Chris Jericho because I, technically listened to one of his books he talked about at least at that point and i mean I, this was 2015 i, I want to say when i listened to the audiobook so whatever book came out around that time he talked about drinking vodka and water and he called them yeah boys <laughs> and he would if like he, if that's all he drank because he drank alcohol with water he was fine I'll try that next time. Maybe because I mean, it's vodka, so it doesn't taste great anyway. But that's that's what's preventing me from ever drinking it because I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. But <laughs> I understand it's watered down vodka, but it's still vodka. Yeah. I don't know. If that's what I want. I'll try to let you know. All right, uh, let's get into the Faye Five questions. Hey, this is Booker T, five-time champ, and this is the Faye Five questions. Now, can you dig it? All right, uh, let's start off with question number one. How do you like your steak cooked? So it depends on the steak, I guess. Uh, I mean, like, if I had a choice, I like, uh, I, like I like thin-cut steak for, like, a cheesesteak. That's, that's how I best like steak. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, it's, it's medium. I don't know if you guys have a different word for medium, medium steak here. <laughs> but, no, I think, I'm hoping that's worldwide. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, for between me, rare and well done. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, between rare and well done, then you have medium rare and medium well. Yes, there you go. For me, I'm a medium well guy. I'm not medium well, medium go. rare. I like medium rare. There you go. Uh, yeah, it depends. Sometimes if I if I've been there before, I'll I'll be happy to get it a bit more pink. If it's a new place, I'll always get it medium. I think that's kind of how I am with basically medium rare, and it's got to a point where yeah. I just kind of stick with it to where. I don't know how good you're going to cook a rare steak, so I'm yeah. just going to take a precaution and say medium rare. Yeah, yeah. It should just be one Yeah, complaints. Yes. Uh, question number two, and this kind of goes with something we talked about earlier. MCU or Star Wars? I was a huge Star Wars fan as a kid. Um, absolutely huge. And I don't know at what point that fell off um, because I still haven't seen Rise of skywalker um i haven't seen rogue one i haven't watched the mandalorian the way through and it's not that i don't enjoy it um it's just not gripped me as much as the mcu right so it's gonna have to be mcu because again other than what if i've watched every single property as soon as i could yes for me star wars is just something i could never get hardcore into like i i didn't watch the original star wars movies until they did a re-release in the 90s in the theaters and the only one i seen in the theater which was technically the first one i started off with was the empire strikes back but later i went back and uh, rewatched 
the other two on VHS. Yeah. Liked them, was somewhat into them, but like I, ne- there was never that connection. And for me, yeah. like when it came to like sci-fi stuff, I, I could never find a great connection up until literally the first episode I ever watched of Doctor Who, which was uh, Christopher Eccleston's first episode. Cause I just decided to start from the, that uh, first season of that run and fucking fell in love. And I, I, I actually did feel a connection. Where I'm like, like, this is my sci-fi. It was never star Wars, but I can watch it. It was never star Trek. And I could watch kind of it, but I just, I don't know. I just, I definitely didn't sink into it, but with doctor who I felt it. Do you have a, uh, a favorite who episode? Um, I am a sucker for almost any episode from Matt Smith that was written by Stephen Moffat. Yeah. Most importantly, the two part episodes, almost every two part episode is so good. Okay. Trying to think of what would be the best one. It's not, it's not an episode, but time of the doctor I think is great. Mm. The thing that I loved about that was because that was the 50th anniversary episode. Yes. It's Christmas, Christmas special. Or no, no, the Christmas yeah. special was time of the doctor. What was uh, the day of the doctor? They did that. Yes. Was, oh yes. They did yes. those three episodes in a row, technically of uh, like blank of the doctor, and I got yes. it. I got it mixed up. Yeah, the regeneration was time of the doctor, but day of the doctor. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So good. Uh, thing that I loved about it was it was simulcast at the same time around the world, so like everybody got to like if you were obviously you were watching the TV at that time, like we all got to live it. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple of days later, I went to go see it in the theater in 3D. And it was like, that's when those paintings look really cool. That's very cool. Did you figure out a favorite episode for you? I mean, mine's, mine's, everyone says don't blink. Um, is like, I mean, that's like the go-to popular one. Um, I mean, going with what you said earlier, like that's the like one that like can stand on its own. Like you don't have to watch any episode of Dr. Like I've always heard that's the litmus test for people. If you yeah. like it enough, you know, go back to Eccleston and, and watch it. Um, I guess maybe Pfizer Pompeii is a good one as well. Mm, yeah. Um, like I was, I had this conversation about with who, about who with someone recently. And what's great about who is that if you hear the title of an episode, you know what it is because the titles always sum up exactly what happens. And the episodes are all generally such unique stories that, you know, the girl in the fireplace, mm-hmm. um, is another episode. Like, these all just you can you can tell the runaway bride like yeah yeah good good series i'm glad we didn't talk about that first because that would be another hour i i had doctor who down as a topic but i avoided <laughs> it because i did have i think a long conversation with eden about it yeah so i didn't want to do like a complete repeat yeah that's fair well with well, that now uh, they filmed last of jodie whittaker's episodes so that's worth I feel like I didn't see a huge amount of her stuff, um, but I think the, the her final season should be quite good. So the writing's going to be different. I haven't seen any of it, and I have her first season on DVD. Mm. I I, I, ve- I eventually need to like watch it. Yeah, yeah, not awful, but there's some real good moments. There's um, I think it was the Christmas episode 2020. It's called Spyfall, which is a James Bond two-part episode um was it christmas no it was uh january 1st there you go that's the best episode she did so that's my recommendation who's your favorite doctor um i think david tennant or tom baker um 
Tenant because was the doctor that definitely hooked me as a fan. Um, but Tom Baker is also such a big figure in like mm-hmm. British TV and comedy. So like he's just you know everything he's done is is because of his work on Who. And even though like I've not seen everything he did, you know, I just appreciate the th- the episodes I have seen with him in. Yeah, I have a the smaller version of Tom Baker's scarf on my desk. Very cool. But for me, it's it's Matt Smith. Yeah. It was like Tenant. I should say you can go back to Eccleston is the one that like really got me interested. I think like his first season is terribly underrated. Like, is it cheesy? Yes. Does a lot of the stuff not really age well? No. But I think it's them trying to going back like the MCU. Like they're trying to find their their niche. They're trying to find how they're going to be Doctor Who, and they hadn't done it in a couple decades. So it took a lot of all of his series to really work out a lot of the kinks. And then you get to where David Tennant comes on and he hits the stride for the show. And I always say his, the end of his first season, the whole bit of, you know, Daleks versus Cybermen is what sucked me in. Yeah. But when I got to Matt Smith's episodes, I fell in love and a lot of it, it was Moffat's writing. Cause even like, I love, um, what the silence in the library for tenant where yes. we, uh, get introduced to river song. Yes. And like, I remember like, I'll, I'll go back and rewatch those, those two episodes. Those are great. But there's just that something with Moffat's writing. Like I love it. Like, I know a lot of people hate him and I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm a fan. He sucks me in. He, um, I, so I, I feel like his, his writing style, he's very good at writing one shots because he's very good at making heroes seem like heroes. Because mm-hmm. um, I hate what he did with Sherlock. Because he made... I mean, the show isn't necessarily about Sherlock. It shouldn't be about Sherlock being a superhero, know-it-all. Oh, everything comes together because I say this. With who, you can, you can kind of get away with it. Because he's an alien who's lived for thousands of years. You know, it's, it's kind of fine. So, I, I, yeah, I... Yeah, especially his stuff on Sherlock I dislike, but again, he's very good at making... I think if you look at every episode, every Who episode individually that he wrote, um, yeah, they're all good one-shots, so... Oh, and another another great episode, uh, Van Gogh. Oh, goodness. So um, we actually, a couple of years ago, went to Amsterdam and visited the, um, the museum mm-hmm. in Amsterdam, Um <laughs> and the two of us were like, immediately said, "Wow, this is just like in Doctor Who, even <laughs> you know." But it really is, you know. It's like they being in that museum. The way then thinking back to how they captured his his character and his story, just in that you know hour long episode, is really really good. Uh, and I mean, like, um, and also stories of real human emotion. You know, stories of depression are like like that. Like Iron Man three as well. Like they're they're stories that need to be told, and when they're done right, they're, they're so good, especially the episode. All right, let's uh, move on. Question number three, favorite cereal? Uh, I'm talking about cereal today, actually. Um, so I think you have Cocoa Pops over here. They're like chocolate Rice Krispies. We have uh, – oh, well, ours is Cocoa Krispies. Yeah, there you go. Exactly that. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one. Uh, or Frosted Flakes are like the two. But I haven't had cereal in so long. Um, 
I used to be the kind of person that would go through a box of cereal over a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I discovered how good almond milk and oat milk are with cereal. And then I'd spend more money on buying nut milks and cereal. Um, but yeah, I'm a big, big sweet fan. That would be my tide for first. What about, what about you? Any recommendations? I'm a huge fan of Golden Grahams. Oh, strong contender. Strong contender, actually. And they're like kind of going with it. There's a, I think they still have it out. It's a, it's by post. It's a s'more cereal. And it's basically, it's Golden Grahams with Cocoa Puffs with marshmallows. That sounds real good. Oh, it is great. (laughs) I'm going to write that down. It's my first cereal back in a while. I went back and listened to a little bit of my conversation with Eden and they mentioned uh, Shreddies. Like we were talking about like just like her, uh, their favorite cereal, but just Shreddies. And actually, like I realized I never Googled Googled it. I'm like, oh, okay. It's exactly what they said it was. It's basically checks. Yes, it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, yeah, checks. I think I'm not sure if checks is frosted here, but you'd have, you know, sugar coated Shreddies would be. That's a good, another good one. I, ooh, why, why don't we have that? Because I don't think uh, Chex is sugar. Like, the, it's just like depending on like what the cereal itself is supposedly made of. If I'm correct, it's been a while since I've had Chex, but I don't, I don't remember. Did we, ha- maybe, did we have frosted Chex? Like, great. Now I got to like double check the cereal aisle. I mean, I've had Chex mix quite recently. and I know the Chex in there is unseasoned. I guess yeah. that's the word for it. But that's because everything else in the bag is for the flavor yeah, yeah all right question number four pancakes or waffles um pancakes every time on the basis that every waffle line i've ever owned has not been my friend <laughs> uh, but also pancakes so the uk pancakes are crepes just uh real th- you know real thin the crepes real thin and then you top them with whatever mm-hmm. uh, but i do love american style pancakes like that's even before we came over here it'd be that'd be the way and when i was when i was really into trying to get into shape for wrestling as well like protein pancakes was everything every big muscly bodybuilder on youtube was posting mm. um so i'd get into the whole the thicker pancakes and the fluffier pancakes and yeah just they just hit the spot and let's see question number five coffee or energy drinks i'm a i'm a massive caffeine fiend um so I don't drink a huge amount. Oh, no, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> there is energy drinks uh, in every door of the car in case I need one on a road journey. So my, my weekends are full of energy drinks, but I probably drink more coffee because uh, we tend to hit up Dunkin' a couple times a week. Um, and so I'll just have a large coffee that'll take me a day to consume because American coffee's super well. Duncan specifically is very sweet, um, but I, I really fell in love with Bang because um, we don't have Bang in the UK. Like the energy drink brands we have is just kind of Rockstar and Monster. Um, and I looked up that Bang Bang is banned from sale in the UK because whoa, uh, be, but it's not for anything weird. It's because of in part of their advertising, they say that um, oh, I'd have a can with me, but it's something like. Uh, there's a line that says helps you build muscle or something on the bang, but like an independent study showed that you'd need to consume a thousand cans of bang in a day for it to have any effect on your muscle growth. Um, but obviously that would result in death. 
Yeah. Because it's a, it's a thousand cans of bang. So yeah, it, it's, they can't sell it in Europe because it doesn't match European advertising laws. But the chemicals and stuff are all fine, so it's fine. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with energy drink because bang changed my life. <laughs> yeah. God, that, that sounds like the whole jelly baby thing about how they're illegal here. Is that because of colorings or something? That's that's what I I believe I found out at one point. I mean, that's the thing about like looking on Google, and I've looked on it a bunch, and I always get like different sites throughout the years. But I I want to say it is because one of the some of the coloring in it isn't FDA approved, and makes sense. I think I remember one of the last times I looked it up, it, it actually explained like why that the particular chemical wasn't FDA approved. Now it doesn't necessarily mean like oh I understand now it's just like oh I understand like that why that's your reasoning yeah but it it's still just candy it's fine there's a whole you know continent over there eating it it's like the whole um because you guys have I mean we called them Kinder eggs I don't know what you guys did call them but they're like the chocolate eggs with like a kid's toy in the middle mm-hmm. yeah and those are banned for sale in the U.S. Can uh, I guess that. Ch- choking houses or something only with the toy we had uh there was something by nestle i forget exactly what it was called but i remember when it first came out where it was basically like a plastic ball with uh with shell chocolate around it and then when you open up the ball like there's like a little toy inside yeah kinder has kind of creeped into the united states over the past three or four years to where like we get i think kinder joy but i I think the inside might be candy or something. I remember when I first seen my bottom because I was just like, Oh my God, we got kinder. That's weird. Why do we have kinder? But I, I want to say, I swear I had one with a toy in it. And that was recently with it, like when there's these set of years that I'm talking about, not like years ago. Oh, the Nestle thing was the wonder ball. That's what it was called. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Like Nest at uh, kinder's good chocolate. Like, I guess you guys have like Milka and stuff over here as well. That's like the same kind of chocolate. But I, I have a big, I have a big thing with. Um, I always wondered why I didn't like the taste of Hershey's, and like I know what it, it tastes different is because it's made with soured milk, which is like not a thing in the UK because we just make it with regular milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird because Hershey's in the UK is just made with regular milk, and it's pretty good. So when I came over here and I'm buying bags of Kisses and don't want to even eat one, you know. I'm going to go home and I'm going to just buy a bunch of Hershey's just out of spite. You, you need to bring me back. Uh, I want a, a Nestle. No, no. Yeah. Nestle Kit Kat because over yeah. here they're made by Hershey. Okay. And I want to know if there's a, what the difference is like the only Nestle Kit Kats we can get here are at world market. And it's uh, they're they're normally selling a lot of the crazy Japanese. Well, I don't say crazy, but some of the Japanese flavors. Yeah, the matcha and the uh, the um, wasabi flavored Kit Kat as well. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Our old um, housemate, she likes really weird stuff, so she likes the wasabi Kit Kat. And as much as we we love her and miss her, just not for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And then obviously bring back Jelly Babies, please, please, please. please. Oh yes, <laughs> yep. That's my that's my list. Kit Kat Jelly Babies. And the crazy thing going back to it, like Doctor Who is like the reason why I freaking uh, wanted them. I'm like, I want to try them, and then when I had them, I'm like, oh my god, these are great. It's just one what you can't have. That's the thing is, if you, if you know they're really available, they'll probably be just fine. Yeah, kind of. That's the sad. No, that's the sad thing because like, there's there's a lot of food stuff with that where uh, there are kind of restaurants mm. like for example Raisin Canes. 
every time that I used to be in Columbus, I used to make sure I, I grabbed some. Then they added one in Kent, which isn't that far from me. I've only been there somewhere between four or five times over the last like handful of years since they built that one. And then literally a couple of weeks ago, they built one down the road from me. Haven't been there yet. Yeah, the one, there's actually a Raising Cane's maybe 10 minutes from us as well. Mm-hmm. I've still never been. Like, my whole thing at the moment as well with, with chain restaurants especially is I'm like, well, we're going to be here in a, in a few months. We can still eat it then. But yeah. I do miss Nando's, which is like my, my big, you know, th- there are Nando's restaurants in the US as well. They're just 50% of them are in Illinois. So mm. I bet by the time I go home and eat that Nando's, it's going to be just fine. All right. Question number six. And uh, we kind of talked about it earlier, and I think it's it's perfect. The fact that I'm getting married next week and uh, what uh, wedding uh, marriage advice do you have for me? Um, as I say, like the we've only been married a year, so I can't I can't give much advice because a lot of my experience is around, I don't know, leaving the country, leaving the country and, <laughs> you know, trying to become a, a wrestler in a, in a completely different place. But again, um, so what you're telling me is I should move to England and become a lorry driver. Got it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, there's actually a, a shortage of them right now, so you'd probably find a job quite easily. Uh, I just got to drive on the uh, left side of the road. Yeah, on the correct side. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, the best the best advice would be the wedding day is it's going to be very long. It's going to be very tired, but it's going to be very worth it. Just mm-hmm. make sure you eat, make sure you drink some water, make sure you make sure when things stay stressful, you just remember it's not it's not about it's not about getting over and done with. It's about what it means and. Uh, uh, yeah, I say when you're when you're feeling tired and when you're feeling stressed because like I know I know you you are right now and you will be. It's just about remembering the light at the end of the tunnel, for lack of a less cliched phrase. But it'll be worth it and it'll be good. And when it is over and done with, you'll kind of wish it had lasted a bit longer as well because it's very cool. But no. obviously we're we're not actually married. Don't don't tell Twitter. You know we're actually brother and sister. Remember. People actually think that. <laughs> Too many people think that. Too many people. I remember the first time I spoke to Eden, I accidentally said brother and sister, but I caught myself because there was just, I think when we find those tag teams or whatever that are same last name, it is a brother sister thing, but mm. I I know for a fact you're not. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, when we, when we first started teaming, we, you know, we joked about it as like uh, we didn't we didn't ever say it. We joked about it like um, because when we first teamed up, Game of Thrones was still on TV, and you know the Lannisters were the the biggest biggest villains on TV at the time. Well, Cersei was at least. So we were just kind of maybe taking liberal inspiration from from that a little bit just to have a bit of fun. But no, we're uh, we aren't related. But even when we got here, um, Mikey Montgomery, it took him about three months to realize that we weren't related. So, bless him. I mean, you're related, but not by blood. There we go. Yes, yeah. There is no shared shared blood in our systems. So then, what what you probably should have done was kissed Eden in front of him to really just fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of our um, our deal back in the UK is we used to have a huge like public displays of affection in the ring, um, but it's just it got exhausting <laughs> to be that to be that much all the time so yeah again i'll say again we are we're not we're not we're not siblings or that was a really weird wedding (laughs) yes it's funny how the 
the family of uh, both sides of this, uh, the same people. Oh, <laughs> weird that. And like, what what side do we sit on? Just it, it, can we? Is there like a middle section for us? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have any more jokes. <laughs> I, I tried to think of one, but I tried. All right. Any uh, final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go? Um, I got nothing, nothing to say, nothing to add. I think. I mean. Uh, thank you for having me. It's always, it's always a pleasure seeing you and speaking to you. So I'm happy to do it. I'm just, I say it's, it's midnight and, uh, I'm quite, quite tired and I wish I could be addressing you under less tired circumstances, but I'll thank, I'll thank my, uh, my PT Kingsley for that. It's his fault that I'm like this. So, uh, and as far as up, upcoming apps, just half price apps, at Applebee's, that's all I got. How about your social media? Oh yeah, you can find me everywhere um, at Sid One England. Um, don't go digging through the media tweets, and that's uh, a good place to be. And help you get above uh, two thousand followers before Riley Rose. Yeah, please, please do. I've already got a big head start on Riley Rose because no one likes Riley Rose because he's Irish, and everyone knows that Irish are just not very good English people. That's controversial, right there. <laughs> I'm not taking it back, though. I'll fight them. I'll fight them all. And, of course, you can find myself at jsummers330 on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, Twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers. Email, if you so choose to desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com, and we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Like I said at the beginning of the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. You're ever listening to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, or Podbean, wrestlingcheers.podbean.com. Check out our friends on the Trending Topics Network, such as All Beer Inside, Eurovision Showcase, and the Spanish Announce Table. Check out our other podcast friends, such as Pod Van Dam, Super Fantastic Podcast, It's Evolution, Baby, The IndieCast, Sobros Network, Biff Radio, Game Marks Podcast, Powerbomb Jitsu, Spotlight Series, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, Positively Pro Wrestling, IWTV Guide, If You Catch My Grift, At Odds with Wrestling, Best in the World Podcast, Marks with Mikes, This Ends at Prom, and Porch Talk, and check out our other non-podcasting friends such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, The Mystery Men, Redline Radio, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, VHS party tonight on Instagram. Happy hour with Steve Guy, the co-host wrestling show, Good Company, Heart of Gold, Toy Hio Toy Show, Time Capsule Toys, Stay Tough, Wrestle Void, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. Before we go, allow us to announce our special promo code from Smoke and Jay's Barbecue. If you're making an order with them. I believe this might be in person. Give them the promo code. Cheers. Save 10% on your bill. Now, that will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you're a bloody wanker. Later. Wow. (laughs) It's the Wrestling Cheers. 
get up on your feet Praying in your day in the middle of the week And you gotta love the show Yeah, you know it holds a title for the best podcast Talking wrestling in Ohio Finishing a cold one, take a load off We ain't all about the prohibition like Josh So we cheers and then we sit back Other shows are in the trash Kinda like they Nick Stapp Like the name is Matt Justice Wearing all the gold Wrestling cheers is coming to a close The number one podcast going in the game And one day everybody's gonna know the name It's the Wrestling Cheers This is Platinum Max Signing off Ohio Good night The world Good night We love you We'll see you next week